everyone. And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>
retirees are not in unions. Retirees don't pay union dues. Most of them don't. And they don't vote in elections except for like a couple of them. Um, this way, they were getting this full 600 million supposedly, supposed savings on the backs of retirees that would really have no effect or impact on an active worker. Because if they did that to active workers, like they've been doing quietly and silently to you guys, every time they start putting in a, a copay or they narrow a network, and what does that mean? I'm sure you've gotten the letters for, on your CVP plan for Emblem Health. Like they jacked up your copays to 15 bucks or 30 bucks or. They put a $300 copay on a hospitalization or you can't go to mamamides or you have to use the specific radiology or a specific uh, urgent care. That is narrowing the network. And every time the MLC negotiates that, it's a savings for them. They're trying to live up to a cap. So when you say, does it impact the active workers? It absolutely does. Because if our litigation is successful and we've been successful 10 times in court so far, and these are little wins and a couple of big wins. If we are successful again, then the unions, because they signed this agreement that they have to come up with this $600 million in perpetuity, it's coming back to you. And today, as of, well, today's what, Thursday, as of Monday, they were renegotiating the active workers' health care plans. That's yours. And it's our theory from people that are still inside that are sharing with us information. We're being told, like, right now, you've got 11 health care plans. We had 14. But they wanted to um, they want to take away your 11 plans, narrow it down. And we believe that the two that they're going to leave you is one, the hip HMO, which most of you don't want. <laughs> and we believe that they're going to be replacing your Emblem Health GHI CBP plan with a Netna plan. So that would affect you today. All right. Look, so, Mary, your, your mic's a little messed up again. Do you have it on the floor? Or anything? Do you have it on the table? Yes. Is your mic on the table? It's an iPad. <laughs> Could you pick it up or flip it? I'm getting like a ton of noise from you. Hear that? I can hear it, but it's coming through my machine. It's not coming. All right. Well, you sound better like that. Could you just keep it like that? Sure. <laughs> you sound much better like that. All right. Sorry about that, guys. But so let's talk cost, right? Because okay. that's all anyone sees, right? These guys are starving, right? These guys are starving. They've been without a raise for six years. We could go into all the reasons of why that is. We're not going to do that on the show. Um, but they're starving. They see money in front of their face, right? Obviously, it's a huge raise. They're like, it's about damn time. We're doing all this work. We're underappreciated. We're underpaid. Our, uh, you know, our schedules are off. Our families are, are never see us. And we're in debt. We're not even making money. We don't even know why we're doing this job. So they're being offered this raise. And they're voting on it currently. It's my contention that you are funding your own raise through this. This yes. is a huge concession, not only on the fact of why you took this job, because you, you signed on for a city job to receive a pension and health care for the rest of your life. I do believe that this is something that may affect you having health care for the rest of your life, that uh, affordable health care for the rest of your life. Could you could you describe the cost effect, like the cost, like what is the immediate cost? on retirees going into the plan what could be the future cost on on uh 
what could be the future cost? Eric, do me a favor. Dim your mic. I think it's you. Dim your mic. No pun intended, right? Dim my mic. Yeah. Yeah, it's you. It's your mic. Um. So, what is the cost? What 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 should be the cost of 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 retire guys? What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen? In, what could happen in the future to the active guys? That's my question. In terms of what could happen to the future guys when they retire or when their new plans are negotiated? New plans are negotiated, like premiums and co-pays. Okay. So active worker plans. Why, why did the MLC leadership do this to a retiree? It was because they were trying to forego premium on active workers. So when you ask what premium would have looked like if active workers had to pay a premium today, the benchmark, according to the New York, uh, New York City Administrative Code 12-126, which sets the benchmark of what the city has to pay for all of us, active, retired, and dependents, is the HIP HMO rate, which today stands at about $918 for an individual plan. Um, and it's like 22-something, 2200 bucks, 2300 bucks for a family plan. Well, when you can compare that to the GHI CBP plan, which most of you guys are on as active workers, and actually most of us are on as retirees. So if you're talking about the active workers, what what premium you would have paid as an active worker? $23 a month for an individual plan and about 210 bucks a month for a family plan. That's what the MLC leadership was trying to prevent you from paying. So by selling retirees healthcare off into privatized Medicare, they prevented that from happening. And that was part of the reason why they also did the six, they, they did Medicare Advantage because the city basically said, and we have this on video and audio from the leadership. The city said to, to Michael Mulgrew, Henry Garrido, Michael Mulgrew, United Federation of Teachers, Henry Garrido, DC 37, Harry Nispoli, UFT, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Sanitation 831 and the MLC chair. You give us back those retirees 20% plan. We'll give you the money that we would have spent on them to you to put in your welfare funds. Why was that critical? was because remember I told you that the HIP HMO sets the benchmark and that most of the people are in GHI? Well, since the GHI premium is higher than the HIP premium, the stabilization fund is what pays that difference so you don't. And this was part of like an agreement that came out in like 1986 called the Equalization Agreement because the city wanted to offer you at least two free plans. So this, this fund is funded in several ways, different, different mechanisms, most of it by collective bargaining, Money, money would go into the fund, and that's what kept it flush. And in the years when the GHI rate was higher, this fund is what paid that difference in premium, so you didn't. Well, unfortunately, that fund has been misused by the same MLC leadership. And in 2014, where this whole debacle basically started, was when the MLC leadership allowed uh, the teachers to take $1 billion out of the health insurance stabilization fund to, to finance that round's collective bargaining. This... Being a labor relations person, this is the very first time in my entire New York City history that I have ever seen a collective bargaining agreement for a specific unit, the United Federation of Teachers, partially funded on the backs of other labor and the other unions basically went along with it. Um, and how did they also do that? They also made them complicit. They basically said, if you go along with this, we'll give you a little bit of money, an additional $165 a year per retiree and active for your welfare funds. 
So they all took cash out of it. Well, some of the unions, like some of the fire unions tell me we didn't take that money, but I really can't tell you because I don't have access to their welfare fund accounting. But this is why they did that was because they needed to keep the stabilization fund flush with cash so that they did not have to pay premium. Active workers didn't pay premium. This is why they did that. Otherwise, those costs would be coming on to you. We know right now, in July of last year, they put out what they call an RFI, Request for Information. They were seeking to replace active worker health care plans. When they do active worker health care plans, they also do under 65 retiree plans. You're on the same policy. So knowing that most, most police officers retire at a younger age, firefighters, uniform services typically, um, those plans would be the same. So they put out the RFI. Then in the fall, they put out the RFP, Request for Proposal. They narrowed it down to four. And as of Monday, they were renegotiating which of those four that they were going to take to replace the entire city health care plan. And from the information that we're getting on the inside, they're currently in, in this negotiation right now, and it's to replace the active worker plan. Now, a little bit of background so you understand some of these terms. When someone says that the city has to pay for split contracts, that's typically two people in the same household, usually a husband and wife. One is over 65 and one is under 65, or one is on Medicare and one isn't. The city's computer systems are so antiquated, they can't administer their own health care plans. So this is why you can't, I know it's like it's it's uh, like in the old days of fire, when we first merged into fire in 96 under Giuliani, they had the star fire system. It was like a big gigantic box that weighed 100 pounds. Their computers are so antiquated, they cannot with IT technology, administer their own health plans. So they typically pay Emblem Health to do this. It's an administration cost. Um, so they can't, this is why you can't have two people in your household on two different plans. They require you and your spouse and family to be on the same health care plan as you. Meanwhile, they'll offer 11 or 14 different plans, but you all have to be on the same one in the same household, which is ridiculous. So Knowing that Aetna was probably not going to be able to handle a split contract because they don't want to be able to do this or, I don't know, some find some nerd that knows how to program a computer to be able to put two people on the same household on, this, on two different plans and actually save money, um, they want everyone on the same plan. So the theory would be, since they're putting Medicare retirees on Aetna and they're forcing us into the Aetna drug plan called SilverScript, they are probably going to do the same thing to you unreal first of all uh, marion i just want to say that's fascinating the information that you provide is extremely deep detailed you depict a lot of information just in the same i i learned a lot and it's fascinating because as you and i were talking early offline just for a couple of minutes before we started this i had said i, I started to peruse the website and, and trying to get myself uh you know acquainted with the mlc contract and how they coincide with the city and how it affects the cops and when i read the questions to, that's supposed to be informative for the reader. I always use this word, everybody laughs, but it's true. It makes it sound really sexy. And from what I, I'm hearing, it's com it completely cr contradicts what I read. And everything that I read, it makes it sound like it's, it's something that I want to grab at. Except there was one thing that was a red flag. And this is what we talked about earlier. If you could explain this one, you said we would go into it. And the red flag I read was that if I decide to opt out of this Medicare Advantage plan and go back to the original medical plan, Without the supplement, how am I affected? Because it says that it could be an increase in premiums. It doesn't say a price. It doesn't say a cap. And to me, that was a huge red flag. It's very ambiguous. Yeah. 
The rest of it sounds extremely sexy and everything. <laughs> it's yes, yes. It's almost like I want to sign up right away. It sounds like the best thing since toothpaste, but <laughs> I understand the silver lining. So could you please go into that and explain that for me, please? Okay. So first I want to teach you two terms, opt out and wave. Um, so opt out is what we were trying to do, what, well, what they told us we had to do the last time. If you don't want this Medicare Advantage plan, you'd have to opt out. And, and then we were opting out into senior care and we'd have to pay for it. Well, since the, the, the MLC and the city eliminated all of our health care plans, this is what they're doing this year. This year, they, they did what they call the nuclear option. They killed everything. They only left HIP VIP on the table, which is the equivalent of HIP HMO for seniors or, or Medicare persons. So it is a Medicare Advantage plan, and it is only in like eight counties of New York. So if you don't live in one of the eight counties of New York, well, guess what? That plan's not for you. So now your only choice is if you live outside of those eight counties, which some of you guys are in Florida or Hilda, uh, Carolinas or California, you now have to waive your city health plan. When you do that, you are waiving your benefits, not just for you, but you're for your entire family. Now, if you're on Medicare, what does that mean? That means that 12-126, which I told you sets the benchmark for what the city has to pay up to for every employee retiring their dependent, it also provides you with Medicare B reimbursement. So the $165 a month that Medicare eligible retirees are paying on a monthly basis out of their social security check gets reimbursed the next spring, where it's starting to get them now, actually, it's like 16 months after, after the year's over, um, that reimbursement you would lose. So now, if you waive your health benefits to stay in traditional Medicare and you don't want that Aetna plan, you will now be paying Medicare B premium at $165 a month for both you and your spouse if you're both Medicare eligible, not reimbursed anymore. If you were a high earner and made over $88,000 as an individual, and I forget what it is for a family, you will now be losing your IRMA reimbursement. And because Medicare only pays for um, uh, the first 80% of your health care, you would have to go purchase a Medigap plan on the outside. That Medigap plan is now where you're going to have an issue. What is that Medigap? Well, because you are under 65 and have a disability, there are only four states in the country that have what they call guarantee issue. That means that you're guaranteed to be issued a health insurance plan if you are in Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, or New York. If you are not in one of those four states and you are under 65 and disabled on Medicare, you will most likely never get a Medigap plan. And if you can, the cost of it will be so prohibitive, it doesn't even make sense. For example, I have a retired firefighter who just had a kidney transplant. He is a 9-11 survivor. He's in the state of Florida. Florida is one of those states with very high premiums like New York and does not have a guarantee issue and doesn't have guarantee issue for under 65 year olds. He is dealing with kidney rejection in a hospital who advised him that if he was moved into a Medicare Advantage plan, his hospital and his doctors would not accept his Medicare Advantage plan, which means he would have to go to another hospital and find another doctor. So what would his Medigap plan cost him? $800 a month for a plan that pays less than 20% of his medical bills on top of his Medicare premium. Now, let's say you're over 65. Well, you're over 65, and of course, most of us over 65 have pre-existing conditions. You are now subject to underwriting, and good luck if you'd be able to afford that. <laughs> so when I say it's going to cost more, it's going to cost more. <laughs> 
That's funny. You know what? John and I were talking about that earlier today. I said, with the way this is going, you're going to have to be concerned with the pre-existing conditions. And you just highlighted that it's scary. It's really scary because we all have pre-existing conditions, especially if you're doing 20 years in the police department, the fire department. It's highly unlikely that you're going to retire from this type of employment without some type of conditions. This is shocking. It really is. Well, and look at most of us are 9-11 people, too, for first responders. So, you know, that will be a larger issue because if we're not in the World Trade Center program, having our, you know, if we're in the World Trade Center program, they are covering most of our responder illnesses. But if we are experiencing one of those illnesses that is not yet approved, that's on your own health insurance. And so now, especially with Medicare Advantage plans, why we don't like them is because they are subject to pre-existing uh, prior authorizations and the narrowed network. Prior authorization means which you are experiencing in your GHI plan because that's another cost savings that the MLC has been negotiating for financial benchmarks. Um, I, I forget the term. I think Claire Levitt testified in our January 9th hearing. It was like cost behavior analysis. And I was like, what the hell? And she said it with this evil snicker like, he, 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 he. And what that basically meant was they were putting um, high co-pays on you, on your GHI plan to prevent you from using services and facilities they didn't want you to use. So prior authorizations, I have to share with you that video because it's like she's, she's just very evil in that. Um, but the prior authorizations, because Aetna is a for-profit company, and by the way, they're non-union, just putting that out there. And Emblem is union, by the way. Uh, they are like SEIU and their unions in Manhattan. Um, so very, very interesting that we would be going from a non-union, uh, going from a union healthcare plan to a non-union healthcare plan, private for profit. But because they're for profit, they're one of those organizations, ironically, that's under investigation by the Department of Justice for Medicare fraud. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mayor, I just want to back you up real quick. Okay. I just want to back you up real quick because Eric always likes to go right to the end. I want to, <laughs> you said, you said that it would save the city a lot of money if you and someone and someone in your household were able to be on two different plans, right? Could you just exp explain that for everybody? So one of the things that we're seeing that we've not been able to um, gain any traction for, and if anyone listening to this is, has an investigatory position in like Letitia James's office or somewhere in the IG, please give me a call after. But what we're learning is that the city is actually overpaying or overcharging for our health care. Now, if you were on a plan um, like a Medicare, you were on a Medicare plan, your health premium right now for the city is about $200 a month, super, super cheap, right? But your spouse would have to be on a GHI plan that would cover you and your family because you are on senior care. Okay. You couldn't, you couldn't be on senior care and your spouse be on, you know, Cigna or United or Empire. You both have to be on the same plan. We have right now people who, uh, and we found a lot of fraud within the system and it doesn't seem to be picking up any traction with our request for investigation on this either. One of the things we found is that the city is reporting on W2s that they are paying an exorbitant amount of money for healthcare plans for people that they shouldn't be. So for example, I have two retirees that are um, both spouses, both on Medicare. So what their premium should be, and it, sh and it most likely wouldn't show up on a W-2 as a retiree, but it is because they're domestic partners, it should be 200 bucks a month 
per person, right? So if you think about that for a second, that is that cost is extremely minimal, um, $4,800 a year. So why is it showing that they're pay, the city is paying about $16,000, $17,000 per person per year? Why is that? So what they're doing is they're, they're, what our belief is, is that they're actually charging them the family GHI rate, which is the most expensive rate that city pays. We don't understand why they're doing that. We've tried calling the controller. We've tried calling the IG. No one's listening. Now, in a domestic partnership situation, that shows up on box 12DD and your W-2. But because it's a partnership, it is taxable. So now the city is reporting that it's paying $17,000 per person. And because it's a partnership and it's taxable, you have to pay taxes on that amount. So this person is not getting any traction with the city of New York to, in questioning, why are you charging us $17,000 for a plan that should only cost you $2,400? This is another problem. And we're finding this time and time again. We've also found on the rolls when the course of this litigation, we have found two families that the city was covering a deceased spouse for more than five years. This means they're not conducting eligibility audits to make sure that who's eligible for health care is eligible for health care. It's like I said to the commissioner one day, I said, I could have a water leak in my water line and the water company will call me and say, you know, you've got a constant running water through your main. You might want to check for a leak somewhere. Why isn't the insurance companies going to the city and saying, hey, through this person, this person, this person, there's not been a single claim in the last 12 months. You might want to do like a welfare check on and make sure that these people are still alive. So basically, the city's own incompetence is causing them millions and millions of dollars. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> because did we have antiquated computer systems that instead of putting people on two different plans, we just pay for the top tier plan. And then other stuff where we have dead people and we're paying out for their plans too as well. Yeah. And, you know, it common sense to me says, and, and this is how this plan was founded, right? New York City's healthcare plan started in 1941. 47, it got a little bit better. Going into the 60s, actually, the better, the, the uniform forces had the healthcare plans. And it was with the advent of this, Medicare coming around, healthcare getting better. It's like 1964, 65 was the first time that the city was moving away from just the uniform services from having healthcare to everyone having healthcare equally. So that was really, really important to see that they were looking for equity amongst all of the ranks, not just like uniform having healthcare and everybody else not. So it was even the insurance companies that messaged the city and said, hey, listen, you really need to add more healthcare plans, which is why in the 80s, they added 12 more. So with the theory of that, more competition should drive down rate, increase services. I guess unless you're the city of New York and everything's ass backwards. Capitalism doesn't work for New York City. We, no. go, we go straight failure of communism. Monopoly. My other thing, before you go, Eric, my other thing. Could you just back up one more time? Because I don't, I don't, I know that nobody heard what you said. Could you just back up one more time and say, just explain what an RFI is and okay. an RFP for active members and what they're looking to do with active members in healthcare? Okay. So, and this is coming from people within the city and within the welfare fund. So an RFI is request for information, RFI. 
and an RFP is request for proposal. The RFP follows the RFI. So first they put out the RFI. It's kind of like a fishing expedition. Like, is anyone interested in doing this plan for the city of New York and all these workers? And then once they see what's out there, then they go, okay, we've got enough interest. Let's put out the proposal request that they did in the fall. So they got a bunch of them in. I think they're narrowed it down to four at this point, and they wanted a national health care plan. So it's the first time we've actually seen a national plan request. So knowing that Emblem Health is a regional plan, meaning it basically covers the New York metro area, because you'll find that guys that live in Pennsylvania don't really have a lot of Emblem doctors. But this is what was interesting. We learned in the course of this litigation that the city could have actually added different regions. Emblem could have expanded its doctor network as far down as Puerto Rico and up as any which region that you wanted in the United States of America. What would that have cost? $3 million a region. The unions agreed in the MLC, Municipal Labor Committee, to pay for those regional costs at $3 million a year a region. They refused. So this is why the police officers down in Florida, you'll always hear complaining that there's no doctors in Florida. It's not that Emblem is, is shitty. It's because the MLC refused to pay for the damn region. So in this RFP process, Emblem wanted to stay in the mix of it because they've been with us since 1941. Emblem then uh, aligned with United Healthcare to form a national healthcare plan, and they are one of the bidders. As of last Monday, it was like... Um, I think it was Northwell, Empire, uh, Emblem and United, and I forget the fourth one. But there's four plans that they are considering. And it is, it is the information that we're getting that the active worker plan, which you have 11 plans today, will be reduced to two. HIP HMO, which basically nobody wants and is only available in 11 count, eight counties of New York, and probably an Aetna plan. Now, the Aetna RFI that I did get my hands on says it's a PPO plan, which means it should be open's preferred provider organization. However, it is built like an HMO, kind of like our Medicare Advantage plan. And they're using all the same talking points. It is to manage your care so that you don't really have choices, although you think you do, but you don't. And then there are costs that would be built into there. Now, what we were given is an RFI. It was what they put out preliminarily. We do not know what it eventually morphed into or evolved into, and I'm hoping to be able to get that. Now, we either get documents leaked to us or we get them by FOIA, um, Freedom of Information. So everything takes time. Hey, John, is it okay with you if I go to <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like pick on me today. He's breaking your balls, Eric. She rocked my point when she said that, that. that we're costing them, they, there's millions of dollars being thrown out the window, and city's just ignoring it. Now nah, we're gonna save money on the backs of retirees and active people. Oh, thanks. Don't but let's see, not let's not let's not square away these hundreds of millions of dollars we're just flowing out. As an active worker, the workers need to be worried about this because, and you know, and this is this was another thing that bothered me. Every time Pat sends his agent, Dave Nicholson, to these meetings, Dave always abstains. He does not vote. And his position is that the, um, the PBA does not believe that the MLC has any right or to collectively bargain for the PBA. I get it. But I've had these debates with Dave, and I wish I could have had them with Pat, but he doesn't call me back ever. 
So I want to understand why is it if you don't think that this organization um, allows you to, um, I don't know, engage in the process fairly, that because of a weighted voting structure that the that the teachers and DC 37 controls uh, the weighted vote. So what what is that? You get one vote for every 250 members. You need a two thirds vote to pass a motion between those two unions you control the motion, even though the other 100 unions may not go along with you, but that's what happens. So it's kind of like a mafia. You're in it and you can't get out. And even if you get out, you're still bound by their rules. Why isn't the Uniform Coalition fighting this? So here you have all of these votes that the PBA has made that they refuse to vote in. They don't participate in because they don't believe that the MLC has the power to do this. And then all of a sudden you roll in an agreement that you refuse to vote on into your contract. So now I'm going, this is probably why Pat's been quiet, because I was on the job. I've always known Pat as a screamer. He'd scream about any injustice from the top of the mountain every day long. Why has he been quiet on this shit? I have absolutely no idea. But it bothered me. And I kept saying, there's something going on. There's something going on. And someone say, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have a contract. I was like, I don't, the Pat I knew wouldn't have given a shit if he didn't have a contract. He'd be going, I he's, am not Pat's been quite, shit, he's been quite, he's been very quiet lately. It's not yes, the same Patty. And I have to say, very quiet, as yeah. which uh, well, I hear which that the 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 press knew he was stepping down before he even announced it in his own PBA meeting. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure this was orchestrated for quite some time. I, I I don't think anything happens by coincidence. We talk about this all the time. I really don't believe in coincidence. No. Things are orchestrated and they happen on purpose. Uh, listen, everything you're saying is extremely informative. I really believe it. John likes to do everything in sequence and complete order. I like to do it like it's Pulp Fiction and kind of bounce around. <laughs> Hey, that's my style. Listen, I like. Listen, that's why I, I, everything you're saying is you're dead on. I'm listening to you talk about. It, I'm like, damn. Here I am. I'm in the great state of Florida. I love it. And I've had to utilize doctors. And when I contact Emblem Health and try to find doctors with a five mile radius, good luck. I end up looking fifty mile radius. So I, I really encountered that problem, and and you've really filtered it, the ideology and how I come to this point because I said to myself, damn. Most of the New York police officers or any New York city agency retire in Florida for the great benefits with your pension. But here we yeah. are stuck with this medical problem. So with that being said, John's going to kill me because he likes to go in sequence, but I want to go back. Nice. <laughs> Too bad, John. It's my turn. <laughs> so if I'm a brand new cop, I'm 21 years old on the, on the job. What we're hearing right now, let me circle back. What we're hearing right now from some of the members, they're starving. It's desperation time. It, it's desperation time. And they're blindsided by the short-term money that they're going to get, this retro. And they're not seeing the big picture. So how do I tell, how do I affect, infect the mind of a 21-year-old kid who becomes a police officer or a firefighter? How do I affect his mind to understand what's going on in retirement? Or is he going to be affected now? Or is he eventually going to be affected? How does that 21-year-old kid see the light and see the big picture on this Medicare Advantage plan or what may happen to him or her now? Well, and see, that's been the struggle for us to get the in-service workers to listen to us, right? They're pretty much telling us when we've spoken to them, especially like the civilians, they're going to go, well, you know, lady, uh, if I got to sell that old people's insurance to get a raise today, I got to be here for another 40 damn years. I don't give a shit about that. I'm just going to do what I got to do. But I'm going, but don't you see the people behind this? So I'm going to say that to you. I got cops that retired in 1979. You know what their top pay is today? You know what their pensions are? Their top pay in 1979 was $15,000. Okay? They're still alive. Their pensions are about 25, dollars 26000 a year. 
They don't make what you guys make. They don't make what the cops make today. They won't make what they're going to make in two more years when their contract is up. So these guys being able to um, pay for a premium or pay for a Medigap or pay for Medicare isn't an option. They can't even pay for Medicare. We got some retirees that their pensions are so small that they can't even be on Medicare. They go for Medicaid. Why? Because they have to pay 200 bucks a month for a premium that they can't afford, $165 for, for Medicare, and not get reimbursed until the following April. They can't afford that, even with their Social Security. So if you ask a young cop today, is he really going to care about grandpa that retired in 1979 and wore the same damn blue uniform and shield as he did? Probably not. But see, my generation did. We cared about that. We took that from history. Um, I think the other problem that they have to think about is once you give up a benefit that we earned, you will never get that back ever. And this opens the door to whatever else we've got left. And as a retiree, we don't have much. So today they're coming after retiree health care premiums. Tomorrow they're coming after your spousal and your family coverage and then your Medicare B reimbursement. You'll have nothing left. If the unions still capitulate to the city to give up what a retiree has, because look, the guys on this wall behind me, Victor Gottbaum, uh, Jerry Worf, Al Shanker, they didn't give a shit about that. They were like, oh, hell no, we're not touching retiree health care because they knew what that would do. These guys don't seem to give a damn. Because once that door's opened, it's not closing. They're going to say, well, you got to sell off something. They're going to keep opening that closet and see what else that they could sell off so it doesn't affect them today. They're not understanding that it's going to affect them. They would, you know, there was a time when the unions would bitch about um, selling off the unborn. Tier six, total clusterfuck, right? Why would you do that? And now they're in a situation where they're having pension issues. They're, gonna, they're having these issues with the health care plans. What is next? They're going to keep selling off who they can to not affect them. So last, last time they went after the unborn, now they're coming off to the seniors. These are your vulnerable people. You're not going to get cops that want to come onto this job because you're selling off benefits or diminishing what they got. And they're not going to want to stay because if they do, their benefits are going to be shit. Otherwise, they'll, take the, they'll do their, 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 their penance, they'll stay for a couple of years, and then they'll transfer out to the counties where the benefits and the salaries are better. Why the hell would they stay here? It's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I'm sorry, John, but it's fascinating because that's one of the things that's so attractive. You know, growing up in Staten Island, Brooklyn, blue collar type work, our parents only told always told us get a city job, become a cop, become a fireman. It's great benefits. You have this great benefit package, right? Your medical plan is worth fifteen twenty thousand dollars, so it's almost as if you had a bigger salary. But right. now, now we're seeing the cops are getting this raise. It's sexy to getting one hundred thirty thousand a year, but potentially if this trickles down to them. They could be paying it and offset back to where they were, making ninety thousand a year because they're paying fifteen to twenty thousand a year in premiums and copays. And what these what the cops don't understand, which is a shame, is God forbid they're sick or a spouse or a kid. This could get extremely expensive and start hitting their pockets. And I don't think the union would step in and use union funds to supplement the issues that problematic issues that they're going to have. And we know that. Why do we know that? Because people like John stood up against the forced forced vaccine mandate. In the union, turned a blind eye. They never stepped in. They never offered any money. Never offered any assistance. Not even any care. So why are they going to care now? I, I really appreciate this. It's fascinating. It's exactly what it's the vision we've had. It, it's it's the messaging is totally clear. 
And it's hard to wrap your head around because, I mean, for us, two years ago when this started, we were like, oh, no, that's not possible. Our unions would never sell us off. And it was a state of disbelief. And then when we learned that it was real, that these were actually being agreed to and negotiated by some of the unions, not all of them. But then we got more frustrated when the unions that there were that were disagreeing what was happening weren't fighting back. And we come from a background where when labor disagreed with something, labor united, formed coalitions, and we fought back. Why aren't the officer unions and the fire unions standing together going, this is bullshit, we're not taking this anymore? Why are they not pushing back on the UFT, DC 37, and sanitation to say, what the hell are you doing? Why aren't you saying you're, they're believing what's happening as to Mulgrew saying, there's only one way, this is the only way to do it. No, there's a few other ways to be able to do this. I mean, we came up with $1.2 billion in savings that they could do right now today. They don't want to do it. They would rather want to sell off their billion dollars in savings and they won't do it. Yeah, we even delivered that to OMB, Office of Management and Budget, Ken Godner, who's the architect of this shit, as well as Robert Lynn, who retired from OLR as the commissioner and today makes $500 an hour as a negotiator. For oh, and he was Pat Lynch's campaign advisor, too. You can never break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. That's why we go in first. The other unions piggyback off of us. Pat Lynch went in first this time, but he's signing on to the 2018 MLC deal. Well, that he told you for months he wasn't going to do. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and this will blow your mind. Does the name Martin Scheinman sound familiar yes, to you? I'm sorry. It's familiar to me as well. Dude, do you know what he makes a day? Um, thirty five hundred, seventy five hundred dollars a day. Oh my! Oh, double, double, nice. <laughs> Interesting. And, and can, can you do you know what 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 he's making for that seventy five hundred? Do you want me to send you the invoice? I got that from Foil too. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Mary, and you're a dangerous woman. <laughs> I know. I feel like the Cliff Clavin of healthcare bullshit. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I, there is one more thing. So. There was a memo that was put out from the PBA, I think it was 2017, maybe 2018, where Pat Lynch stated that he did not want to take part in this MLC contract, and the PBA was going to deny it. But now we came to this point. So was that for show? Or, I mean, or at the time, they, they took this position? Well, we kind of think that some of the unions that voted no on this did so symbolically so they wouldn't get their asses kicked by their memberships. Like, no, no, I voted no, I voted no. But then we're asking them, what the hell have you been doing for the last two damn years? You've never had our back. Look, I had a rally where I had almost a thousand people on Broadway, right? Uh, they actually put a whole detail. I had undercover police officers. I had um, a, a two different precincts there. And they sent me a whole tarot team like to keep us all corralled or surveilled or whatever. I'm like, this is insane. Where were the unions? I had a handful of unions with us. I absolutely did. So God bless them. I had the correction captains, Pat Ferrilo sent somebody, Joe Faramosca, EMTs, paramedics, my former union, local 2507, um, they were there. The plumbers union, local one, brothers had our back the whole entire time. Where was the UFA? Where was the UFOA? Where was the PBA? Where was the LBA? Where's the CEA? Chris Monahan doesn't call me back. Paul the Giacomo, he wouldn't give me the time of day. I actually was told that the UFOA probably wouldn't piss on my corpse if I was on fire. I mean, but I am fighting for you. Yeah, we, we kind of know the struggle. I know where they are. They were keeping the water <laughs> cold for New York City Mayor Adams because they're a bunch of water boys. 
that's, that's what that's what they do. And and that's the strategy today in New York City. We're just going to lay down. No, we didn't vote on that. We didn't vote on that. But you're right. It's a game, right? Because we already know who Bob Lynn is to to the the, the police unions. And, and, and he really he really worked on his campaign. You can never break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. So you know what's really about this? <laughs> they keep telling us we're anti-labor. I'm like, no, dude, we are labor. We are union. Stop painting me as anti-labor. I am union. But they just don't like that we we challenge them or we question them. I'm just supposed to follow the leader. So if you jump off the bridge, am I supposed to follow you? You're doing something wrong. I'm supposed to call you out on that. Um, that's the I think that's the problem that they have. And, and I disagree with that. We are labor. We know how to fight this fight. The city council, the mayor, they're blown away by what the retirees were able to do. Some of them have even said that the, the retirees' efforts has been Herculean, that we've even outpowered some of the major unions that aren't even, don't even have anywhere near the advocacy that we did. Look, we've sent about 170,000 emails to city council in two weeks. Love it. I love it. I mean, but that, that this is the thing is they want... And I've been saying it forever with the police unions and it's whatever. They want the power. And what you're doing is asking questions, questions that deserve answers. Right. But they want us like mushrooms in yeah, the dark. In dark they it, and you're opening the curtain and you're like, look at this. What the hell's going on with this? You're ruining people's lives. Nobody yeah. cares. Oh, you're a wacko. That's what they're telling everyone. With the 3D mag light going. What's under there, boys? <laughs> could you could you just tell us? Because I, I mean, I, I, I think this will help some of the guys too. And I did get a couple questions on this. What's the major difference from the MLC prior to the MLC deal to now? Like, what's the differences? We said what the MLC deal was, but like, what difference will we see for retirees right now? What do you mean? And if if we were forced into this plan? Yes. Oh, easy. So right now. In Medicare traditional with a supplement, you can go to any doctor in America that takes Medicare and 96% of doctors in America accept Medicare, except a few pediatricians and some psychiatrists, which is most of us don't go to anyway. So it doesn't really matter. But the point is, is that 96% of doctors in America accept Medicare. Okay. There's really very few prior authorizations and typically in Medicare traditional prior authorizations are on the back end. If for some reason something doesn't get covered because the doctors are doing this so long, they're not going to want to screw up and not get paid. But if for something for some reason does not get covered, it's the doctor that pays, not you. Now, there's very few prior authorizations. Like I said, if you walk into the doctor today and the doctor says, John, you got to go for an MRI. Guess what? You walk down the block and you go get an MRI. In Medicare Advantage, you have to use an Aetna Medicare Advantage accepting physician, someone in network. Now, this plan that they've negotiated has out-of-network physicians. You can use an out-of-network doctor. Now, they're also saying, well, we've eliminated a chunk of those prior authorizations, but they've only done that for two years, and they could renegotiate them back in. Who can do that? The city and the MLC. So you're putting your future back into the hands of the knuckleheads that just put you in this place position in the first place. And they're going to do that when he has to come up with some more rate savings in order to collectively bargain some other raise for another damn contract. Um, the network. So Aetna keeps saying 88% uh, of the doctors that those retirees currently see are in the Aetna network plan. Well, that's interesting because there's only 183,000 of us, not 250 like they keep saying. So if you want to play by their numbers, all right, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's 250 
thousand retirees. So you're saying 88% of our doctors are in the Aetna Medicare Advantage plan. Well, I'm older or I'm disabled. I'm going to need more doctors as I'm getting older or more ill. Well, then what happens? Am I going to have a hard time finding a doctor that's going to accept the Aetna Medicare Advantage plan? If this plan was truly robust in a doctor network, why wouldn't they say 88% of doctors in America accept our plan? That's not what they said. They said 88% of doctors you currently see in the GHI plan are in our plan. So then they said, well, but, but we're even better than that. We're like another 8 to 10% of doctors that are known to accept Medicare Advantage. What is the definition of known to accept? Known to accept Medicare Advantage means that a doctor, one of those 8 to 10%, has accepted Medicare Advantage payment by Aetna at least once in the last 12 months. That doesn't mean anything to me. So them touting that they have a 96% rate of doctors in the network, that's a crock of shit to us. So we, and we know this because I've already got over 500 affidavits today uh, from doctors, retirees, medical institutions saying, we don't accept any Medicare Advantage plan. We're not accepting your Aetna Medicare Advantage plan. We're not accepting any Aetna Medicare Advantage or any Advantage plan, period. And yet they still want to say the lie that if the doctor accepts at uh, Medicare, they have to accept that plan. This is a lie in itself. And it was the same lie they told us last year when we won our injunction. And I think we're going to win the injunction on this case too. Because the, the, the attorneys are going to file the case and a TRO or a PI. And either way, I think they're going to put the pause on this when, once they realize what they're doing. Marion, I'm processing all this information. I, know, I understand sorry, the medical like load. <laughs> no, no, no. But some of this is very new and you're really educating me. So let me just back up here and get this straight. So if you have this Medicare Advantage plan and you can go to 88 percent of these doctors, but the doctor only had to report once in a calendar year or 12 month period that they actually utilized at, at the payment. So does that mean the doctor could actually cherry pick if they accept the insurance by different people that try to come to that doctor? OK, so I yes. So he could say, your doctor today could say, you know, Eric, I don't accept Aetna, I don't accept any any advantage plans. But because I like you and you're a cop and you serve the city and you've been seeing me for decades, I'm gonna try this plan. Let's see how it goes. And so he accepts payment. Then he you come back to him the next time and you he goes, dude, this totally sucks. I'm not doing this. Sorry, love you, but you can go down the block and go see somebody else. So he can leave, he can refuse to accept um, new patients. He can accept to accept all patients in Aetna plans or all MA plans. He doesn't have to stay in this network. He doesn't have to participate, doesn't have to. Now, let's say, let's say you do decide to go see him. He's an out of network doctor. He agrees to see you and accept payment by, by, by Aetna. So let's say he wants you to do something. He would technically, according to what we've read, not be required to apply for prior authorization for you. But you, Eric, have to call Aetna to say, hey, I'm going to see Dr. Barnabas and he wants to give me a CAT scan. You have to call Aetna to say, Dr. Barnabas wants me to have a CAT scan. And that's what they call a pre-visit confirmation, which is just another fancy way of saying prior authorization and they can decide to pay your bill or not puts the burden on you so what happens if they're not willing to pay to pay this you have an opportunity to file a grievance or at that point you just have to come out of pocket <laughs> you got <pay>, brother 
You can appeal it, but appeals take several weeks. Wow, this is uh, this is this is beyond my ex expectations. This is by far worse than I expected. So definitely there's some virtual signaling when Pat Lynch put out this memo that they were going to decline this MLC contract because clearly we're on a completely different path and it looks like it's going in this manner. Well, because they're trying to sell something that I bet you, I don't think they did it with any malintent. I'll, I'll be, be honest. I, and I want to believe that and people call me Pollyanna, but I would rather believe that the unions just chose not to get into the weeds of this thing because look, they voted on this without ever seeing the contract. The contract for Aetna Medicare Advantage came out after the MLC vote. They basically listened to Harry, Henry, and Michael and an Aetna rep sell them something. And I kept saying to them, what the hell are they doing? It's like walking into a car dealership and, and be, being sold a Ford and the guy in the Ford dealership saying, no, you don't really want a Chevy. Those Chevys are pieces of shit. You really want the Ford. Trust me, I know. I sell Fords all day long. But if you were really doing the due diligence, you would have gone to the Ford dealership and you would have gone to the Chevy dealership and then you would have made a decision. But but no, all of these union guys, guys and gals, listened to a presentation on March 2nd and did a vote on March 9th. They only got questions um, answered to them you know, within a few days, it was like this, the March 2nd, March 2nd was like a Thursday. They were given answers to some of their questions on Monday, Tuesday, and then they had to vote on this on Thursday. They never had an opportunity to bring it back to their membership. And this is what I keep saying. Healthcare is a mandatory subject of bargaining. You as an in-service worker have the right to negotiate healthcare, wages, hours, and work conditions. Healthcare is a work condition. It isn't a condition of employment. Pat should have been obligated to come back to his members, lay out all the options to his members and take a vote. Every union should have done that. But instead, they kept all of their memberships under as mushrooms, I guess, as you said, John, and they didn't really give them the opportunity. And if you're like Michael Mulgrew, Mulgrew would say, hey, I can't bring a vote to my members every time. If I had to do that, I would never get everything done. They elected me as president, so I make all the decisions. Okay, Emperor. Well, bless Meanwhile, your that's your right. Bless your heart that you think their heart's in the right place. Because, you know, I used to think that they were idiots. And then now I think about it. And, like, you look at their personal life and you look at their personal finances and the amount of money they were able to accrue personally on these jobs. These guys are nothing short of genius. They're nothing short of the top 1% of the employees. These guys are not stupid at all. They are very, very, very smart. They have turned these jobs into very lucrative professions for themselves their yeah. and their family. I no longer believe that anybody's stupid or anybody's heart's in the right place. And I agree with Eric. I think this has all been a plan. So, you know, I, uh, it's, it's, it's scary to think. So bottom line is this. Bottom line is this. Right now, as it stands, we go into here, retirees get less health care at higher cost. Yes. So in two other two other instances, um, I've got seniors that live in what they call CCRCs, continuing care residential communities. These are all over the country. They're usually single seniors. Um, they want to they want they prepare their end of life with dignity. Right. So you can go into these communities as an independent living assisted nursing or memory care. If you go in independent or assisted, you're, you can transition and they take care of you 
till your end of life. I mean, we've all been on those jobs where we've walked into an apartment where a senior was taking care of themselves and found them in a very unfortunate situation. This prevents that, right? So if you don't have a spouse or you don't have kids, you want to be able to prepare for your future, especially, you know, we get older, we're more unable to do things on our own. And then you never want to be in that situation where, you know, you're doing a welfare check and, you know, you're finding an aided at that point. So in these situations, Aetna Medicare Advantage, any, at any Advantage plan, these are not accepted in these communities because as a medical director. So for these seniors, they would be losing their home or they would have to be forced to pay for the full premium and cost of health care on their own. Why would you be making, forcing a senior citizen in this situation today to be making that decision? That to me doesn't make any sense. The other thing the mayor likes to say and some of the unions are putting out because they did just hire the Rubenstein firm, which is a PR firm, because you'll start to notice if you're looking at all the union documents, they're all looking the same or very similar talking points. And they're saying, but Aetna has a $1,500 cap on out-of-pocket expenses. And I'm going, yeah, well, in Medicare and senior care, we had no out-of-pocket expenses. <laughs> so now at a, right out the gate, I'm paying a maximum of $1,500. Are you shitting me? And that's supposed to be a bargain. And then they'll say, but we give you more benefits. We'll, we'll give you rides to the doctor, you know, like 12 rides a year round trip. And I'm like, if I don't have a doctor that accepts the plan, where the hell are you taking me to? I'm like, what the hell? Oh, a Fitbit. They want to give me silver sneakers. Great. So in the middle of a pandemic, my senior rear end is going to go to a gym and go and exercise with a bunch of senior citizens. Okay. Like, that's a perk to me? Hell no. All I really want is just pure access to my doctors. Period. Hard stop. This goes back to what I've been saying, Marion. I mean, this is extremely informative. It affects me right now in retirement. It does. Completely affects me. Not only does it affect me in retirement, it affects me of where I decide to live in my retirement. It does. And I, but I agree with John 100%. They are far more intelligent than we ever expected. This is about self-preservation. It's not about selling, no. uh, serving others before you serve yourself, which is the whole point of the union is to support the members. Clearly, this was orchestrated. This was all about timing. I think that the cops, again, I'm going to go back to what I was saying. They were starving. This was desperation. They're blinded by this retro. They're not paying attention to this MLC contract. And for most of them, the idea of actually needing me uh, medical and Medicare, they don't understand it yet because they just don't need it yet. They're young. God bless them. They're, it's a young men's job. Young men, young women. It's not something that they have to foresee. And it's unfortunate. Th these retirees, are they're not tangible to them. They don't communicate with them. There's no, there's no intimate relationship with these retirees. They don't see them as actually having no. any connection to them. They don't feel it. But it's unfortunate, and I can tell the cops who watch this podcast right now, I'm in my retirement, and it's going to go real quick. You're going to wake up one day, you're retired, you're young, and you're going to need medical services. By that time, God willingly, you have a wife or a husband, whatever you have, and you have a family, and you're going to have to support them. And the medical costs can they're scary. I mean, I spoke to my mom the other day. She needs a supplement plan with Medicare, and she was telling me the cost. I said, oh, my God, what are you paying? That's insane. How do you even – I mean, how does someone afford that? Especially, you know, John and I were talking about this earlier, exactly reflecting on what you said. If your retirement was based on 1979 and you've, you've never had something else, at passive income, to supplement your lifestyle, and you're making yep. 20000 a year, you're going into poverty because it's medical. And I think, if I'm right, I think medical is the number one reason for bankruptcy in this country as we speak. 
Yep. And also, don't forget, this affects your widows. And this is what I said to fire last year, and I got not a peep, and I couldn't understand that. Because after 9-11, especially, our widows became more of a concern for us to take care of them and their families because we had so many. So what? where is the unions on that? Because that, to me, should have lit up a firestorm, and no one ever reacted when I said this. We did an article in the newspaper about it that these widows were very concerned about what their future benefits were going to be like, and some of them couldn't afford it. I have a retired cop from 1979. His wife is on Medicare. He's on Medicare. He has an adult disabled daughter in a facility in Bayside. All three of them are on Medicare. So when I talk about him, if he was in the plan last year in that situation, he, if he had to leave that plan because his daughter could not have stayed on Medicare Advantage, the facility that, that she's in could not take it. And because of this antiquated computer crap, she, the whole family has to be on the same plan. So they had to stay on traditional Medicare. So if they would have had to opt out in last year's plan, he and the wife and the daughter, he would have had to pay Medicare premium for all three of them and then two, four, six hundred dollars a month for all of their Medigap plans. His pension's $26,000. Put his social security on top of that. They're not gonna be able to afford this. They don't have a choice. And this is why when some of the unions were advocating for a change of the administrative code back in December, January, we told the city council, don't change the code. Because if you do, the unions are saying, and some of the, and the MLC is saying, that this would give you a choice. And we said, no, this would give you a choice at a premium we can't afford. That is still not a choice. Don't change the administrative code because the language that they wanted to change it to said, after the law where it reads, the city will pay the full cost of health insurance up to the HIP HMO rate for every employee, retiree, and their dependent on a category basis, which is individual and family, and put a comma there and then say, or any plan in the alternative that the city and MLC agree to be the benchmark for any class of individuals. Which means you're letting the MLC and the city choose which plan you should have because they don't want you to choose because they know which one you'll choose, the free one that the city has to pay for. And they didn't want the city to pay for anything because they wanted the money that the city was paying for you, the, the retiree. Because remember, before when I said, the city said to Michael Mulgrew, Michael has says this on a 55-second video, I've guys, I narrowed down on my, web, my, my YouTube channel. The city said, he goes, if you give us back that 20% plan, we'll give you the money we would have spent on those retirees to your welfare fund. They don't want you to choose the free plan. You choose the free plan. He has no savings. They want you to pay. Or you get forced into that Medicare Advantage plan that the government pays for. Because why does that happen? The government pays a private insurer to administer Medicare so they don't. And they pay more than 102% to the insurer to do that. Therefore, it takes the cost. Medicare Advantage takes the cost off the city and puts it onto the federal government. So the city is going to say it's a cost savings, but it's really not. It's coming out of your federal tax dollars and your federal tax dollars and my federal tax dollars to overpay an insurance company that's being investigated for Medicare fraud today. And so Michael Mulgrew and the MLC get their savings benchmarks to use for rate in their collective bargaining. Thank you, Robert Lynn and Ken Godner.
who also had very lucrative life mm-hmm. off of public service and New York City taxpayer back. And now working as a consultant, making Boku bucks. And now consulting. Lynn, we're coming for you, baby. I think me and Eric are going to go into the consultant, maybe even a little PR. Maybe we'll do some of that ourselves. But that's why they want this for their contract. And DC 37 did the same thing. DC 37 has 150,000 members. Only like 46,000 members voted on this contract. Your most vulnerable, low-paid uh, employees, right? They, they, were, they were blinded by the $3,000 sign-on bonus. But guess what? A large majority of those employees, they're part-timers. They'll never see three grand. But they wanted the cash up front and the retro pay. Marion, it's exactly, you just mirrored exactly what I've been saying. It's completely reflective of the retro that the cops are receiving right now. Palage is completely intelligent. All the stuff is orchestrated. He's highly aware of what's going on, and the cops don't see it because they only see the short-term money. They don't see the, they're not living the long game. They're living the short game, and it's unfortunate. He knows that the cops are nearsighted, and they're not looking ahead. And it's a shame. They're getting bad boozled. I'm, I'm just curious. One more question. I'm curious. Does it make a difference if you have a tier two pension on how this affects you or a tier three pension or this, it doesn't make it, are you all in the same ball of wax? Every single person. So I'm going to tell you this effect, this healthcare is the healthcare plan for every employee, retiree, dependent and managers who are non-union, your commissioners, your former deputy mayors, your any manager that doesn't have a union that has no say in this process. This is negotiated by the MLC. Those two big unions, DC 37 and the, and the UFT, decides the health care plan for everyone. Oh, yeah, Psst. including the mayor and the city council. <laughs> hey, Justin Brandon, where you at? <laughs> he, he Let him know. He cares about, it's election, yeah. He cares about health care now. And he cares about <laughs> He does? Annotation. It's election, yeah. He's going to uh, tweet about it. I mean, he, hasn't, he didn't actually do anything. It's like the PBA. And the LBI and the SBI. Actually, you know, they block me. But uh, well, you're gonna have, you have to frame that and say that again. <laughs> he tweeted about it. Well, don't worry, Puglisi's gonna call you a piece of shit for that one. <laughs> I don't know. We put out a list of council persons that are supposed to help us, and so far, the speaker's been blocking our bill. We have a we have proposed legislation sitting in the ledge office since December. The speaker's not letting it move. The mayor doesn't want it to move. Tell the speaker, don't move that intro. Don't, don't give it a number so it can't be introduced. Um, the council person that, that, want, that introduced our bill isn't pushing it because she's been basically called out supposedly and told not to introduce it. Don't push it. Don't force it. Don't challenge it. Don't do nothing with it. So if, if they really care about people, and this is what upset us, right? So we went to, the, we did that rally on Tuesday. And the, the retirees got to get only about 30, 40 of us got into the council. They're talking about legislation on land use. They're talking about, you know, not selling guinea pigs in, 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 in pet stores. But no one ever talked about us except two city council people, Ari, Ari Kagan and uh, Charles Barron. And both of them said the same thing. This isn't a political issue. This isn't the left-right thing. This is healthcare. This is human. We should be talking about healthcare. We should be talking about the retirees that gave their service. And they were the only two that came to our rally right outside. And you couldn't miss us. I mean, John Bernard showed up with a motorcycle with a sound system and we were blaring, talking to everyone and chanting. And we had musicians there and people were dancing and screaming and hollering and 
two people. And this was a stated meeting where all of the council was inside. If you really care about retirees, right? We keep saying over and over, they keep saying, well, you just go litigate it and come back. And we said, no, we told you to do three things in January. We said, don't amend the administrative code using intro 874. Yes, it offers a choice, but at a premium, most of us can't afford. That's not a choice. And if you change the administrative code, the law that we won our cases on, you will make our path to litigation more difficult. And I needed a path of due process because I knew the unions weren't going to have my back. And I didn't know if I could count on the council to have my back. I needed to rely on the court as a due process because I didn't know who to count on. And then I said, if you really want to help a retiree, pass legislation that truly does protect us. We have a bill that we just in brought into the legislative office a month before. This was January 9th. It's sitting in the legislative office. Pass that bill because that requires that the city provide a Medigap plan to retirees. Yeah. And you know what? It's still sitting there. Yeah, you know, Speaker, uh, Speaker Adams, her, uh, her, her slogan is people over everything. Right. People over everything. But my slogan always back to her is you mean politics over everything. Yeah, we started uh, people over politics, people over hashtag people over politics. And we'll tag them both. And the mayor is get stuff done. So we do hashtag get stuff done. Hashtag people over uh, people over everything. Hashtag people over politics because they're not they're easy to do a hashtag. But but put your money where your mouth is. And this is where we said to some of the unions, if you truly voted no and you truly believe what's happening in the MLC to the to your union members, to your union retirees, you will come and stand with us. Don't let us believe that your vote was symbolic. Three unions out of 102 showed up. But I will tell you, active workers from locals 371, active firefighters, active police officers, we had memberships come not leadership i just need to see the boards i need to see what the union boards are getting for health care in their deal that's really what i'd like to see i'd love to know if there's a difference between the health care that police officers are going to have and union boards and maybe it's the same health care but maybe the way that it's paid is a little different so that's something i think that we need to explore too because you know when it doesn't affect you and it affects the masses quicker to sign on to something. And I'm not saying that that's the case, but I have my suspicions. Well, we know for like the UFT, Michael Mulgrew gets his own pension from the UFT and the UFT has its own insurance plan. So, cause he, he has the employee plan. So he would be technically an employee. He could totally sidestep this shit. Oh, and Michael Mulgrew also has the moratorium act by New York state. This is an act that protects only teachers and DOE school district employees. And that law says that if they are going to diminish a benefit for a retired DOE teacher school district employee, they must equally diminish it for a school district DOE employee. So if they're going to diminish the benefit for a retiree, they must equally diminish it for an employee. So I'm going to tell you right now, He's going to be violating the state moratorium act if he doesn't screw his active workers like he screwed his retirees. And what does that mean? He's got to screw all of you to do that because you're all on the same plan. Well, I can tell you this, Marianne. I've heard everything you said, and it's going through my mind right now. And you said you 
you made the determination that you were going to identify who cares about the city workers and you were going to write it down. And I'm guessing you were left with a blank piece of paper because none <laughs> of these people give a shit. They really don't. They don't care. It's, again, it's, they're all self-serving. It's about self-preservation. John and I talked about this earlier. I say it all the time. It's about paving the pathway for their own careers and for their sons and daughters. They don't care about the cops. They don't care about the teachers. They don't care about any city agencies. They don't care. And it's clearly obvious all the information you provided is so depictive and illustrates how, how this is going to affect the retirees in the past, myself who's present, and those in the future. And it's scary. And if, and if, if anyone watches this, exactly. If anyone watches this and they don't understand, they can watch it several times because you were, I, let me tell you something, you illustrated this very well. You're very articulate. You know your craft. You know the information very well. And you completely educated me on this. I want to thank you for that. I really do. I'm sure John feels the same way. Yeah, you know, it, it gets confusing and some of the words and the terms and what they did, but we tried to take a point of follow the money. And when we started following it, where they were saying, well, the stabilization fund is, is belly up, Henry would say, and we'd say, okay, what's in the stabilization fund? And none of them knew. Not a single union can give us stabilization fund accounting. So we foiled it. Then we get the we get the stabilization fund accounting and we see all the crap that's in it and coming out of it. And then we said, well, why didn't you negotiate more money? The city has been, been putting $35 million in the stabilization fund since the 80s. Why didn't you jack that up? I mean, why, why were there no other changes? Why aren't you consolidating welfare fund benefits? Why do we all have crappy vision and dental plans? Why don't we negotiate 1.2 million people on a single prescription vision and dental plan, improve, use our leverage of the weight of all of our people, drive down that rate, increase our benefits, get better accesses to drugs, vision and dental plans? Oh, no, we can't do that. We all have to have our own welfare funds. Why? Because they use those jobs as patronage jobs. So they'll suck more money out of the stabilization fund to fund their finance, their welfare funds in order to give patronage jobs to their friends that are loyal to them. doesn't make any you know, sense. You know, it's funny, Marianne, that you said follow the money because John Googled follow the money and he found the money that I know this is off topic that Pat Lynch gave to Governor Hochul. So it's interesting when you follow the money where it leads to. <laughs> oh, my God, you guys are crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. that you do. <laughs> yeah, and on Sid Rosen on uh, Sid Rosenberg this morning, he had uh, Bo Deedle on, and he stated that he's got information that Pat Lynch is going to work for Governor Kathy Hochul. Can't believe it! But you know, we asked the PBA, and they said that he has not accepted a job. So. <laughs> not yet. Exactly. Exactly. Mary, at this point, yeah. At this point, all we have is questions. Just like we have questions for you, we got questions for them too. That's it. We just got questions. That's all. <laughs> hey, listen, the city council grilled me like a piece of salmon for like almost an hour and a half that day in January. I can handle questions. And we keep, you know, that was the other thing we kept saying to the, to the unions, if you don't believe us, you know, fact check the shit out of what we're saying. They can't. In two years, they're not disputing a damn thing we're saying. They're going to call it misinformation. They're going to gaslight us. They'll attack me, Right. And um, can't believe it. Can't attack the message. You know, you know, John was attacked on Twitter for, uh, you know, apparently he was gaslighting, gaslighting the cops. But we know who's really gaslighting the cops. You got accused <laughs> of that? Oh, we get, we get, I get, I get death threats every day. I get messages every day um, because I said that he donated to Kathy Holchel 
They they we differ on the amount, so I gaslighted them. They don't they don't deny the fact that they did it. They're just mad that I called them out about it. They said they gave her money without endorsing. Right? I was like, why wouldn't you have endorsed her if you felt that was in the best interest of your members? Why wouldn't you have just came out and endorsed her? Why just sneak them on? Right? Like, uh, but they snuck money to it. So I I was spreading misinformation because I because of the site that I looked at gave numbers. But whatever. Oh, they didn't like how much. Or that you announced how much. No, I said there was a site, followthemoney.org. It said that they gave 50000 They say they gave 25000 I don't know what the real number is, but you gave it to her. I didn't care if the amount was 25000 or 50000 I cared the fact you didn't endorse her and you snuck money. You know, I don't care. Uh, you know, that was the whole thing. I didn't care. You know, I said it, it went against the numbers one. Marianne, if you could tell the cops anything they're about to vote on this contract right i personally think i personally think that they are starving right now they see the money it's a significant raise so they have they've been starving they see the food in front of them but they are going to eat their own arm to get they are. food, and they're going to regret it what would you say to them well i'm gonna say that Pat did lie in the one part that I can speak to in the summary of that four page agreement that I saw and that he did say that they were incorporating the 2018 MLC agreement into the contract because it gave his additional monies into your welfare funds. It does not in the, anywhere in that paragraph. It does not show that he then committed the union to um healthcare savings in perpetuity of $600 million a year with the rest of the citywide unions, which is on the backs of all of us, them, you, me. And the agrees to the MLC agreement, which he's abstained from every single vote, including Medicare Advantage, including changing the administrative code, basically gives a carte blanche to the MLC because he rolled that agreement into the contract. He announced the positive side that it gives you more welfare fund money, but he did not tell your active police officers that, that he's committing them to reducing their health care in order to live up to that benchmark. If our lawsuit is successful, they will be passing premium onto you, co-pays, additional insurance costs, I don't know what else if our lawsuits are successful and they probably will be because the city has violated our agreements. It was actually Dave Nicholson from the PBA that told the MLC what they were doing was illegal a couple of years ago and no one listened to him. Marion, a starving man is a desperate man. And I, I really believe that. I never forget a few years ago, I was with my daughter. I was in the car one of my daughters, and we saw a homeless man digging through the garbage can. And I'll never forget, my, my daughter, was, she, she was young, and she said, Daddy, you know, how can he do that? That's disgusting. I said, let me tell you something. If you were hungry enough, you would do it too. And the cops are starving, and they're hungry. And I think, unfortunately, they're not even going to read the ballot. I just think they're going to check it off, and, and they're just waiting for the retro. Some of these guys have twenty dollars and $30,000 worth of debt, but they don't realize they're paying on so many different ends. They have to pay they're paying taxes, today's tax bracket, on yesterday's dollar. 
and this is always going to, and this is also going to affect their medical plan in the future. It's really sad. These cops, I wish they would just see the light. And I, I, with John said, with that being said, just a yes or no question. If you were a cop at this point, would you sign that ballot? Personally, knowing what's at stake, no. But that's me. And I said the same thing to DC 37. Why is because he alludes to the 2018 agreement in your summary of your, of your tentative agreement, but he doesn't show it to you. But if you've seen what it says and you're, you're watching what's happening to us right now, that we are in litigation with the city for two years over health benefits, you wouldn't sign it because he hasn't shown you the agreement. But see, DC 37 did the same thing. They mentioned that their health care remains premium free based on the 20 based on the MLC agreement. And we did a video and said, which one? What does it say? And yet they ignored us and only like 47,000 out of 150,000 employees returned that ballot. And they had the balls to say it was a 97.7% ratification. Uh, no, it was a 97% of 46,000 ballots when your membership is 150,000 people. So would I vote for that contract? No, because I know that I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face. I'm taking the cash today to boost my wages, I am going to be paying tomorrow. I'm going to pay tomorrow. I'm going to pay next week. I'm going to pay next month. I'm going to pay next year. I'm going to pay in 20 years. If you open this door, you're opening the door to continuously reducing retiree benefits so that when they do retire, they're not going to have what they think they have. So to me, that's an ethical, moral decision. But for them, it's financial. But here's the deal. Today, they're probably making $100,000. We don't make that. And I don't make that. I'm an under $35,000 pensioner. So I can't do that. Yeah, I, I personally would vote no too. It's going to cost you way more money than you're going to make in the long run. For six months, I've heard them say that they will not accept signing on to this deal. For six months, we heard... We will not sign into that. And the city says we don't have to. And then, bang, here's your deal. And we're signing on to the MLC. We're not a word. No givebacks. No givebacks. There's givebacks. And in there alone, right then and there alone, I say no. I say, give me the pattern. And I think that's why he's leaving. Why did he step down like a week after doing that? A hundred percent. Listen, he set himself up and he's out. He walks out the door looking like a hero because he got these guys money until they see what's going to happen, that they yeah. screwed themselves, they screwed the retirees, and they screwed their future selves as well. And they screwed their family's health care as well, just for a, a retro check and, and money they should have had seven years ago. They should have had, I'm sorry, six years ago. They should have had the pattern without signing on to that MLC deal. Right. But he's not going to be here to answer those questions when shit starts to happen. You know what's sad, Marion? I, I feel, honestly, you stay open the door. You opened my eyes to a, a, so much information and really understand this. And I, honestly, I was on the fence. I said, I, I feel sorry for the cops. It's a sigh of relief. You get a short-term amount of money just to get yourself out of debt, just to just to get some breathing room. Because I'm sure these cops feel choked. The salary that they're getting, the amount of taxes that they pay, based on a book I read, Tax-Free Wealth. I mean, they're honestly... they're. They're paying 42% taxes a year, five months out of the year. There's, there's no way that they're surviving in New York City. Clearly, they definitely have an extreme amount of, of debt, credit card debt. They're probably not living uh, 
in the mannerisms they want, the houses that they want. So with that being said, at the same point, I feel like the cops suffer from the Stockholm syndrome. It's almost like Pat Lynch walked in with a mask on. He robbed the bank. He walks out the door and everybody feels bad for him. I mean, I talk to cops on a daily basis. Like, well, you know what? He had to do this. He had to give money to Holchel so that we could get a contract. He had to do this so that we could get the retro. So I really do feel these cops are suffering from the Stockholm syndrome. And exactly what John said, he's walking out as the hero. And once they actually get to open up the box, and this is like a jack in the box, and it pops out, they actually read the fine line. They're going to say, what the fuck did Pat Lynch do to me? But guess what? He has an escape route. He has an escape route. And him and John Puglisi are out the door. And they're not going to answer for it. They're going to walk away just like they did to Sal Greco. And they're going to walk away from the rest of the 20,000 members that are looking and saying, wow, I have nothing left. And I have nothing in the future. Yeah. So, Mary, did, did we miss anything? Anything else you think we should know? Or do you think we got it? No, I think you, you definitely asked some good questions. And hopefully um, people people listen and they look into they look into this. I mean, at a minimum... They should definitely be asking, what's the MLC agreement? Show me the documents and what does it do and what is what potential does it have? Because it doesn't spell anything out. It leaves it very vague and open and that they have to, in perpetuity at this point, come up with $600 million in savings without really telling how. It can come out of just about anything. Their pocket, our pocket, both our pockets. They don't explain that. And it, it, it's not set in stone. The only thing that is set in stone is they've now all committed every single union in the city to $600 million in healthcare savings annually in perpetuity. Well, I got a couple of videos. The cops can't even see the contract. Never mind the MLC agreement. They can't even see the contract. I got a bunch of videos of that. I can give you the MLC agreement. <laughs> Well, I'll share. I mean, I think I think you have. I think I shared it. I think I've shared it. Yeah. Um, crazy stuff, man. Listen, I really appreciate you coming on with us last minute. You're yeah. welcome. You know, good Eric, luck with everything. No, yeah, thanks. We'll we'll keep guy. We'll keep fighting it. You know, we'll keep we'll keep up with the attacks, just like you guys. You know, if you guys ever need to get anything out there, please, you know, feel free anytime. Eric, Eric you want to end off on anything? Absolutely. I think this was a trivia four minutes, Marianne. I, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity and doing this late. I actually like doing it late at night. I used to work <laughs> nights. So this is kind of when I start to wake up. I see John. John, John started yawning. Famous. All right, it's time to go. But Mary, <laughs> thank you so much. It's really, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for opening my 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 mind and my eyes to this. And, uh, you know, because I've been feeling it now that I'm new in retirement and in Florida. And I've been asking myself, it's been frustrating. I can't find any doctors close by. And, and you gave me a better understanding of it. And Why? I hope that the cops, right. I hope that the cops understand because I had those questions. You answered a lot of those questions, and I'm going to go back and read more about this MLC contract once you hand it over. I, I hope you do, and I appreciate it. And, and it's unfortunate, but my even though all the information you provided, and I think you, you, you're dead accurate, I still think this contract is going to, to go through. I just think the cops are completely nearsighted, and it's unfortunate they're starving. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I was in that position, maybe I would have to overlook this also because I just need – immediate money just to get just to get through but think get, about you needing immediate money right yes. this is what they don't understand is retirees don't make what they do not even in raises so if you guys are retired more than five years you're going to get a cola cost of living increase right you get a cost of living adjustment 
That cost of living adjustment is between one and 3% of the first $18,000 of your pension. Last year, we got a 3% increase for the first time. And I can't tell you when, usually it's like one or 2%. So what is 540 buck raise a year this year? What is that? When you're making a 20, 30, $40,000 pension, you guys can't live on $100,000 in New York or $80,000 in New York. You're bitching about raises and whatever. A pensioner, a retiree who makes a twenty-five dollars or $35,000 pension gets, gets 540 buck raise. Yeah, at this, at this point, I just think it's Darwin's theory. It's, 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 it's about survival, survival of the fittest. And the cops, are, yeah. or the cops are going to survive. And that, if, that means, if that means killing the unborn and killing the retirees, they're going to do it. It's unfortunate. And I think that Pat Lynch really created this divide amongst the cops, the retirees, and the unborn. That's a shame. It should all be one. God forbid yeah. you go out 30 years from retirement and you commit a crime or you save someone on the street. It's going to say former NYPD. That label will always be attached to us. So it's a shame that we're not one and we don't have this camaraderie. I appreciate it. Thank you again. Honestly, I hope that we can speak in the future on this. If anyone wants to contact you, can you tell them how to get in touch with you and ask any questions? We'd appreciate it. Sure. Uh, John had had our website going underneath before. It's nycretirees.org. Um, at www.nycretirees.org is our website. We have a Facebook page also by the name of our organization, NYC Organization of Public Service Retirees. You can pretty much Google us or Google me and my name and Marian Pizzatola. You, we will come up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube channel, our website, Facebook. Um, and yes, we even have a TikTok channel. <laughs> well, listen, Marianne, it's really nice to know that there's other people out there willing to stand the moral principle. Uh, John and I yeah. have been on together, but well, at least we got somebody else to join us. So with that, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. John, You're thank welcome. you so much for taking the journey with me as always. And you can pick on me as, as much as you want. I can take it. <laughs> Marion, thank you so much. The good former Lieutenant John McCary and everything most complaint cop. Guys, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate it. Take care. Night, guys. Bye. And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>